Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi, and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. So in this podcast, I wanted to have a quick discussion around recruitment. And I believe that whether you find it easy to recruit or you are finding recruitment challenging at the moment, there should be some insights and practical advice that you can take away. So in my own company, THC Primary Care, over the past six years, it hasn't been too difficult to recruit, but it's not been easy. And we've advertised a couple of positions recently, and I'm really chuffed to say we filled them but I really did my research around the recruitment market and I'm really pleased that I reached out to a few people and they were so helpful and really gave me helpful advice. And I really reflected on what has worked in the past, what should we do differently moving forward. I've had the absolute pleasure of having a lady called Hamira who was on the NHS Graduate Internship Scheme She initially came for eight weeks and then I managed to persuade her to stay on a little bit longer. So she taught me a really valuable lesson around salary expectations and how my expectations were a bit outdated and that I had my budget, what I thought I could afford. And then having somebody like Humira that came in She did have a little bit of training and mentorship from me, but she had the skills that I was looking for and, you know, could run with clients and was finishing off pieces of work and the clients were getting to know her. I took two weeks off the business and left Hamira and Sophie in charge of it, which is like amazing for me. Like that is really valuable that if you find somebody that you trust, that can work independently, that brings their ideas, is creative, is flexible. Whilst it's not just about the salary, you do need to financially compensate them or they're going to go, you're going to lose them. So, and I've, I've learned that lesson before, to be honest. And I lost somebody. In hindsight, it was the best thing that could have happened for the business. In the moment, I was thinking I lost this person due to salary. So now I am very, very mindful and will be very, very mindful around our financial package. So if you are struggling to recruit, it's not just about the money, but really reflect on your financial package and do your research. 
there was a report published in January 2021 by the NHS employers and they shared their seven trends in recruitment for 2021. And I'm recording this in August. I've only just come across it because in my research. And one of the things that they said, and I think this was their trend number one, the management of high volumes of recruitment. The labour market is currently favourable to employers, therefore managing increased numbers of applicants whilst maintaining a good candidate experience requires the adaptation of processes and strategies to remain efficient. Now, the first bit of that I want to highlight to you is the labour market is currently favourable to employers. The report says it's an employer's market. Other people's experiences suggest otherwise. If people are, I would say it feels like it's an employee's market and they can determine their salary. And even with some of my clients where we've been recruiting to clinical roles or non-clinical roles, we've hired them eight weeks on, they can get an extra five grand down the road an extra two grand somewhere else. So people are applying for jobs, getting them, but they've still got their eye out for other things because they're looking for more money. So really ask yourself, look at the skills, think about the culture of your network, think about how busy you are and how valuable an extra pair of hands would be to you personally and your work and your clients and your patients and really ask yourself, is the salary I'm proposing sufficient for the level of skill that I require? And if you can't raise your salary and you get people with less experience applying for the role, you're going to have to think, how can I train them? Because in the long run, you if even if they do take the job, they're going to leave because it's not going to be enough. They're just going to take it because they need some money, but they'll always be thinking, where can I get more money? So moving on to kind of my second insight, if you are in the fortunate position where you do feel like you're in an employer's market and you're getting lots of people apply to your role and you're getting lots of applicants or you are in a primary care network and you are employing lots of different roles at the same time, really think about your HR processes and your onboarding processes and your induction processes. You need to get really, really slick about this. And always be answering, is this the most efficient process? Is this the most efficient use of my time? Because it's a process and it's a conveyor belt and people are coming in and you would have sold them the dream at the interview. You don't want to let yourself down on the onboarding process because then they're going to start having doubts and then they're going to start to think, have I made the right move? And we don't want to lose people before they've even truly, you know, like they've finished their probationary period. So really think about, is there any software? Have we process mapped the journey? Do we need an extra pair of hands? Do we need to increase our capacity of resource to manage this in the most efficient way? Without people, we don't have a business, we don't have a service. It's so, so important. So if you've managed to attract them in with a really good job opportunity, training opportunities, progression, they come into the business, we want to lead of our best foot forwards and want to make sure their journey is as smooth as possible because then that will be most time efficient for us because people will know what they're doing, what the next step is and other people will be brought into the process. 
Okay, so the third insight I wanted to share with you is in this NHS employers report, one of their trends that they highlighted was that culture is really, really important. And 73% of adults surveyed would not apply to an organisation unless the values aligned with their own. So we as employers have to do a really good job at sharing our values and our mission and how we treat our people and what people can expect to us before people apply for the role. So I think it's really important for you to reflect on your organisation. How are you communicating your values in a consistent manner? I know I've talked about salary, but people, 73% of people surveyed in the NHS employers uh, recruitment survey said that they would not apply to an organisation unless their values aligned with their own. Now, if they don't know what you value, they may not apply. And actually, if your values are not aligned, they probably shouldn't apply, which is also a really good thing. You want to attract people that share the same values as your organisation. So what I'll do is I'll pop a link to the blog post I wrote about this NHS employers report because it's really, really helpful. And in this podcast, I'm just drawing out a few themes, which I think would be really helpful for you guys. So the next theme I wanted to share with you guys is that in the NHS employers report, they share that 72% of candidates who have had a bad experience will tell others about it. Now, we know that you know, bad news travels fast. So we really do need to make sure we are prepared for our interviews. It's not for the candidate to wow us. We are also trying to wow them. So little things around being on time, being prepared, making sure you're in a confidential space and people aren't coming to and throw. You've got a good internet connection and you're just prepared. You're just prepared for the interview to share about the role, the support that you provide, what you're looking for, all of that stuff, being personable, smiling and just trying to make the candidate feel at ease so they feel safe and comfortable to bring their A game. So it's really, really important what we don't, you know, if recruitment is challenging, what we don't want to do is, you know, interview a few and not or not get back to people when we say that we're going to get back to them. I know of people that have said, I'll come back to you by the end of the week and then they haven't. They've gone back with a job offer and that person's gone, do you know what? No, thanks. Or when people haven't been clear on the salary expectations you know, if we can't get it right in the recruitment process, it's not surprising people are going to be like, you know, this is my experience. They'll happily share all the things that, you know, didn't go according to plan. So really make sure you prepare. I think that's a really important statistic. And just one kind of insight, as we a personal one, is the kind of work in the office, work from home debate And I know lots of people are still working virtually. We do have a central office at THC. I was a bit like, do I still want to work at the office? I mean, you know, I could save myself a little bit of money. But on a personal note for me, it's important that I go to work. I don't want to work in the garage. I like to get up and go. And I like my home to be for chill 
and I don't want, I just don't want to work there. That is a personal choice. The team work remotely, but they can work in the office. Valentina comes in once a week. Our new hires will come in once to two times a week during their induction process, just to make sure we build that rapport and they've got the support they need because I've I've got the capacity. So, and moving forward, they can come in as many times as they like, but I do like, I would like to keep Fridays to myself because that is podcast recording day. So it's just to think very carefully about when people work from home, how do you stay connected? And you would think, well, Tara, we've got this in the bag, it's 2021, we've been doing this for months, we've been doing this for over a year, but it still comes up and not everybody has a setup where I am, where they there is space for them to come into the office and work. Lots of people are at home. They've never met their team in person and they don't live that far away. Some people can feel very, very isolated or sometimes other roles just come straight into work on site where other people don't. So it's still really important that we're constantly asking and checking in with the team and just doing what needs to be done. So people feel like they're part of the team and they're not on the outside. It's really, really important. And as a leadership team, you need to have these discussions and making it really clear at the interview process what that's going to be and and not to make false promises. So if people say, I really want to work from home and then you're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. You just want to get them in. And then it's like, no, you actually know you need to come in. (laughs) That's going to leave a bad taste and you're going to have to have those awkward negotiations before the roles even got started or midway through the post. So nothing is forever. So I'll always say at this moment in time, this is our policy. Things may change. We'll consult with you at THC. If people want to work from home and they're happy to do so, they absolutely can. And just be straight up, but also acknowledge that things change. You may change. The business needs may change. Your employee circumstances may change. So we always have to try to be as flexible as we can whilst accommodating the business needs. So I hope that you found that really, really helpful. We've talked about the financial package. We've talked about culture. We've talked about working from home, working in the office. We've talked about making sure we've got suitable systems and processes in place to support the onboarding of multiple people or even one person. We just want to be good. at. We just want to make sure every step of the way we've got it covered. So please go into the show notes, click on the blog recruitment trends in healthcare, and I'll see you in the next episode. so much for joining us. If you like what you hear, I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five-star review. I know many of you give us a shout out on social media, which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast. So please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care, on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. And if you're not subscribed to our newsletter, please do. It's really, really funny. You get to hear more insights, more confessions, some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week. So click on join the newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.